He does not create the growth. The growth is created by the power of the seed itself. Understanding those elements of the parable, the first thing that we want to see is, first of all, what the sower does not do. What the sower does not do. And there are two things that the sower does not do that are going to be very beneficial for us to see. The first thing that we see is that the sower does not know. He said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises at night and day. And there we see, once again, just a reflection of the Jewish way of keeping time, night and day. So the day begins at night. Night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. And here it is. He knows not how. The farmer doesn't know. The sower doesn't know. He sows the seed and the seed comes forth into plants, into growth. And and he doesn't understand how that happens. Here's what he can do. He can correlate different things with that. He can understand that as he's sowing, he's sowing onto different types of soil, like the parable of the soils. He he sees that there's some soil that's hard and the seed doesn't sprout into that. It's packed too hard. And he makes that correlation. He also sees that there's some seed that lands on what looks like fertile ground, but then it quickly dies so he could dig down and see, well, there wasn't much depth of soil there. He can also make a correlation when he sees other seed coming to life, but yet he also sees thorns alongside it, and then that never produces any fruit. So he can make that correlation. He can also make the correlation between sun and rain and too much sun or too much rain or too little rain or too little sun. He can make other correlations and he can predict what the seed will do. But he doesn't know how this is happening. Let's go a step further. In fact, let's go a bunch of steps further. And let's say that in spite of all of our advanced learning and scientific advancement and all of the knowledge that we now possess in the medical field and other areas of scientific study and the biology field and and horticulture and agriculture, all the advanced learning that we know, we still don't have a clue. There is no scientist that can explain why a seed goes from something that appears, for all intents and purposes, appears like a dead kernel. And that dead kernel can be put into the ground, in the words of Jesus, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies. That dead kernel can be put into the ground and then given other certain things, like a richness of soil and water, spring up, not just to life, but to life that is identical by way of DNA to the life that it sprang from. No one can explain that. There is no scientific explanation for it. What scientists can do is they can observe it and they can make correlations and they can make predictions and they can say, well, seed does well in these environments and it doesn't do well in that environment, but they can't tell you why it is life comes from what appears to be a dead seed. Furthermore, let's all recognize that plant life is pretty much the most basic rudimentary life there is. And so this is true for all life, is that we really don't know 
how life starts. We really don't know how the seed springs to life. And Jesus says, by way of the farmer here, that the farmer doesn't know. He, he doesn't know what's happening when he puts it in the ground. So we see the spiritual correlation here. Think with me of Jesus' words from John chapter 3. Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a, a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. And the wind blows, here it is, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. In other words, you can predict, you can make correlations, you can see, you can observe, you can see where it blows, you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So you see how Jesus is teaching the same truth there. You can observe the work of the Spirit, but you really don't know where the life that the Spirit brings. You really don't know how that's being brought. You don't understand this. In the same way, the parable is the parable of a seed going into the ground in this hidden place where it's not observed. But what is observed is the effect of what happens later. And there's correlations that are made with the condition of the soil and other things. But you really don't know what's happening. There's life coming from there. And that life is coming from the power of the seed. Or if we could say it this way, the power of the earth. That's the, the way Jesus puts it. The earth produces by itself. So let's make sure that we see here in this parable, the parable of the soils, the soil or the earth represented what? The heart, the human heart. In this parable, the earth or the soil doesn't represent the heart. It represents God. It represents the Holy Spirit. The earth brings it about. In fact, we read the earth produces by itself. Those words by itself, they're translating the word in the, word in the Greek there is automate. You recognize that word? Automate. That's where we get our word automatic or automatically or automated. By itself. There's one other place where that word shows up in Scripture. Acts chapter 12, verse 10. Peter is put in prison and then he's miraculously released from prison. He goes, he passes by both guards and then he comes to the iron gate that leads into the city. And we're told that that gate opened of its own accord or automote, automatic. What would, what would a Peter have thought of an automatic door? You know, we see automatic doors. There's, there's hardly a day where most of us don't walk through an automatic door that opens for us. We don't think anything about that. What would a first century person have thought of an automatic door? You don't know there were automatic doors in Scripture. What would Peter have thought about a door that opened of itself, like the seed who sprouts to life of itself? The teaching here is of the power of the seed or to put it this way, the work, the secret work of the Spirit, represented here as the earth, the secret work of the Spirit that causes life to come from what's something that appears to be just non-life, just dead seed. So the power, the bringing forth, He knows not how. The sower does not understand, and yet the sower is not bothered by his lack of understanding. The sower seems to have read no books about scattering seed. The sower seems to have 
No certificate that tells him he's been through training of how to scatter. He's just represented as the most unremarkable, the most bland, the most plain, unmentionable man that just scatters the seed. And this scatterer of seed has no understanding of how it is the seed comes to life, and yet it apparently does not bother him at all. It doesn't bother him because we're told that he sleeps and rises at night. So as we'll get to that in just a moment, that indicates for us just a trusting, a resting, a, a, a not being anxious or worried about the seed. He just sleeps and the seed comes to life. So that's the first thing he does not. The sower does not know. The sower does not understand. The speaker of the truth of God, the speaker of the scriptures, the teacher, the preacher, the, the one who, who witnesses from the scriptures, we don't know how this word does what it does. We don't understand how the Word of God, this living and active Word of God that's sharper than a two-edged sword, we don't understand how this seed can go into certain kinds of soil and produce the most radical spiritual life. We don't know. We just observe that it does. For certain soil types, it does. But we can't explain it. We don't know. And the sower, here's the takeaway there, is the sower is not bothered by that. The sower is not bothered to understand the mechanics behind why this works or to understand the science behind what how this works. He just knows it works for some. For some soil types, it works. And so he scatters the seed. The second thing that he does not do is grow. He does not know and he does not grow. I even rhymed with that one. He does not know and he does not grow. Look how it says that the earth once again produces by itself, automate. The earth produces by itself. So the sower, he can do some other things. He can prepare the soil. He can scatter it. He can scatter it evenly. He can do all those sorts of things, but he does not create the growth. The growth is created by the power of the seed itself. First Corinthians chapter three, verse six, Paul says, I planted, you see the same metaphor here. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. It is the, the power in the inherent power of the seed itself that when in contact with a certain soil type together with the secret working, the secret power of the spirit produces this life that Paul will say to the Romans is the power of God unto salvation. This gospel, he says, is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's the seed itself. So he does not know how this happens, and he does not do the growing. So the sower understands the growth is out of his hands, and any interference on his part will be simply interference unto destruction. Have you ever noticed this? You maybe planted something, you'd put in your garden. This is about the time of year that, that maybe we've all sort of recently put in our garden. And you know how you put in that, that garden, and, and just a little bit later you might see some, some little blades coming up, some little sprouts coming up. Imagine, if you will, maybe you've done this, but imagine, if you will, that you go and you see those little little plants just poking up. And you sort of get down on your hands and knees and you say, oh, what a, what a nice little tomato plant. Let me help it along. Let me just sort of pull it up. Let me stretch it up. Come on, little tomato plant. And you, and you reach down and you maybe move some dirt away to, to help it get out. You sort of pull it up a little bit. What are you doing? You're killing the plant. Because your interference will destroy the plant. And the sower knows that. The sower understands that the growth has to occur on its own. And any interference on the part of the sower is just interference unto destruction. The sower knows what he does is sow the seed. And he doesn't understand how it 
springs to life for some and not others, but he's not bothered by that. Also, he knows that in any type of help, encouragement that he tries to give to the seed is simply encouragement or help unto destruction, not unto life. The sower understands that. The sower understands that it is the power of the seed and is not our power to come along and say, you know, let me help the seed of God come to life in your, in your heart. Let me just help this little seed along. When the parable is teaching us the power of the seed needs to be left alone, automate, on its own, by itself. So we see here that these are the two things that the sower does not do. He does not know and he does not grow. Now let's talk about what the sower does, because I think this is the real, if you pardon the pun, the real pay dirt, is what the sower does. Once again, this kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, I'm sorry, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises at night, and the seed sprouts and grows. He does not know how the earth produces by itself, first the blade. Then, verse 29, when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So three things that the sower does. Number one, quite plainly and obviously, the sower sows. The sower sows the seed. He sows the word. So here we see just this this teaching, this truth, this reminder of what we could call the staggering responsibility. The staggering responsibility that is placed upon the gospel worker, the preacher, teacher, speaker of the gospel truth. The staggering responsibility is... Without scattering, there will be no harvest. I mean, that's plain and simple. There will be no harvest if the seed remains in the burlap sack in the sower's barn. For the harvest to come, it must be scattered. God in His wisdom has determined that is the only way that His kingdom will advance is through the simple scattering of His seed. God has determined that through His people, through these clay jars, to use the terminology of 2 Corinthians 4, the the clay jars into which God has placed this treasure of the gospel, God has determined it is by their scattering of the seed and no other means that my kingdom will advance. The power is in the seed. The growth is in the seed. The special secret work of the Spirit to bring that that, that seed to life is what causes it to grow. Nevertheless, God in His wisdom has said, that's only going to come about by the scattering of the seed by my people, by my sowers. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly or foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe. The foolishness, if you will, of a man standing before a group of people to say, thus says the Lord. Or the foolishness of a believer in Jesus Christ saying to a co-worker, just words from Scripture or words of testimony. Those things that, that the world would think of as foolishness, as folly. The sovereign God has determined that is from the beginning of the church until the consummation of the church, God has determined that is the only way, that is the only means that the harvest will occur. That is the only means that souls will be harvested is by the preaching, the simple proclamation of my word. There will be no angels that come. 
that spread the gospel message for the salvation of the nations. God has determined His people are the vehicle, are the sower. What an awesome knee-buckling responsibility that God has placed upon His people to be the speakers of His Word. Without this sowing, there is no advancement. So that's the first thing that He does. The second thing that we see that He does is He not only sows, but here is, I think, a central teaching is He sleeps. Verse 27, He sleeps and rises night and day. Now, the fact that he sleeps, Jesus inserts this into the parable, and it might just seem like sort of a detail that's thrown in there, but actually this, this carries for us a tremendous amount of significance and importance. The fact that Jesus seems to go out of his way to say, the, sow, the sower scattered the seed, and what did he do then? He slept. Now, in the Scriptures, there are two types of sleeping. There is, first of all, the sleeping of the slothful sluggard who instead of working, sleeps instead. We see that many times in the Proverbs. So that's the the lazy, the slothful sleeper. But there's another kind of sleep in Scripture, and that's the sleep of trust. The sleep of relaxing, trusting, believing in the Lord of the harvest in such a way that once the scattering is done, we don't see the sower out there just staring at the ground, waiting for some, some seeds to come up. We don't see him out there holding a blanket up over top of the seed in case it's too sunny, the sun's too hard for them, or going out there to tend to this or maybe bring some... We see Him just scattering the seed and then in trust and complete lack of anxiety over this, He sleeps. He sleeps the sleep of trust, the sleep of rest. And here we see that, first of all, in the necessity of the sowing, we see that God has placed upon us an immense awesome responsibility. But in the sleeping, we see that God has at the same time taken from us another responsibility. In fact, a crushing responsibility. And that would be the responsibility of thinking ourselves responsible for the success of the seed. Can you imagine, just imagine, if God were to say to you, even one soul, the eternal destiny of even one soul depends on your clear, effective communication of the seed in such a way that that seed is guaranteed to sprout. Even one soul. Can you imagine an eternity weighing on your soul? That's a crushing burden that none of us can bear. So God places on us the burden of responsibility to say, you scatter. If you don't scatter, there's no harvest. But at the same time, God comes along and says, let me take, let me take from you this crushing responsibility of what happens to the seed after it's sown. What a wonderful thing that God has put together here. So he is saying to us, remember Jesus in Matthew chapter six talks to us about the sin of anxiety. It's the Gentiles. It's those who don't know God, that they're anxious about all these things, what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, all these things. Gentiles are anxious about those things. But those who know their father, they're not anxious about those things. An extension of that, in fact, even a greater extension of that is to extend this to the seed, the scattering of the seed. And we can even hear Jesus saying to us, don't be anxious. I'm the Lord of the harvest. And I take from you that crushing responsibility of what happens to the seed in the soil of their heart. 
I take that upon myself. Your responsibility is just be the sower. Just be the scatterer. Just scatter the seed. I will take it from theirs. In in essence, what the parable is saying to us. Think of Ezekiel chapter 3. One of those two places, I think Ezekiel 13 is the other place where we see the teaching of the watchman on the wall. Remember that teaching? Where the prophet says, imagine there's this watchman on the wall and God has appointed you as this watchman on the wall and you see an approaching army. And if you don't sound the alarm, then the blood of all the people in that city is on you. But if you sound the alarm, their blood is not on you because you sounded the alarm. Or think of Paul to the Ephesian elders when he says to the Ephesian elders, I'm innocent of your blood. Why is Paul innocent of their blood? Because he says, I have preached to you the full counsel of the word of God. So therefore, I'm innocent of your blood. It's the same principle here that God has called Paul to be a scatterer of the seed. But once the seed is scattered, the sower goes and rests. He rests the sleep of trust the sleep that's not anxious, worrying and twiddling the thumbs and worrying, is there, is there going to be a harvest? Is there going to be a crop that comes up? The sower knows. He knows by experience that three of the soils aren't going to produce anything. But one soil is. And that one soil is going to produce a bountiful crop. And so the sower knows this. And the sower relaxes and rests properly burdened by that which God has burdened the sower with, which is to scatter but not improperly burdened by that which was never meant to be our burden at all. When we take upon ourselves the burden of what happens to the seed after it's sown, in essence, what we are doing is we are taking from this seed or the Word of God, we're taking from it the miraculous, supernatural springing to life. And by taking upon ourselves the responsibility of what happens to that seed, we are turning this into little more than just a club that we just try to convince people to join. That's what it means to take the responsibility of what happens to the seed upon ourselves is to essentially turn the church of God into a club that we just try to convince people to join. Hey, this this is a really good place to come on Sunday mornings. You'll really like it. You should come and try it. That's taking the seed upon ourselves. when God says, that's not your burden. Relax. The sower goes to rest once the seed is sown. 